going to start a series today. And uh, so I'm going to talk about this storms, comma, but still raining. Now, if you hear that, it could be a play on words, you know. And uh, because when you talk about still raining and talk about storms, you might think of R-A-I-N-I-N-G. But we're not talking about that kind of raining. We're talking about raining like R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. So those storms do come to people. God wants us to learn how to reign or rule over them and not be reigned on all through our life. You with me? And so we're going to share some things, and today will be more introductory, but it will be a big help. So turn with me to Mark, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at some different things concerning learning how to reign in life. There's actually scriptures that tell believers they should learn how to rule and reign. Many believers want God to do everything for them, but they don't realize God gave them the authority to do something about certain things, and it's not thought, taught that way a lot of times, but the Bible teaches it that way. So we're going to look at Mark, where did I tell you? Four, verse... See, I didn't tell you the verse because then some there's a, there's there's always one at least that finds that verse and they just keep on reading. So we won't tell you till we're there. Mark four thirty-five. We're gonna read five verses here. It says, On the same day Jesus had been teaching when evening had come. Now he taught them, now listen, this is important. He taught them about faith and how to live in victory and how to get things producing in their life. Okay, that's a good thing to hear today. So now our problems are solved, right? Because we know what to do. That's what would be with them, right? Well, let's just keep reading. Because I got some faces, people looking at me. When evening had come, he said to them, notice this phrase, let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Verse 38 says, But he, Jesus, was in the stern or the back, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Teacher or Master, do you not care that we're perishing? And I don't think they woke him and said it like in King James. Carest thou not that we are perishing right now? No, they're probably going, dude, don't you care? Verse 39, then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so fearful first? How is it that you have no faith? Why didn't you do something about it? Remember, he, 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 he taught them, you can speak to mountains. You can do the works I do. And so he's going to sleep. He sends them out to cast out devils, to heal the sick through his name, to exercise authority, and now they're praying to him, freaking out. 
And he said, what about you? And many times when storms come in life, people want the Lord to do something about them. But truthfully, and you may not like me, but we'll read the Bible after I say this. You can't just pray and say, Lord, deal with this storm, because he won't. We're going to read scriptures. What if he gave you authority to deal with storms? I mean, I could go through tons of verses. You resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Right? James wrote that, the pillar of the church. The only letter written in the Bible to a church, meaning from a pastor. Peter, who traveled with Jesus, lived with him, was on the road ministry with him, preached the first sermon, 1 Peter 5. He said, you, church, resist the devil steadfast in your faith. Paul said something about it, one of the writers. All the writers of the New Testament. Jesus even talked about it. We'll go into great detail. I'm not saying God won't answer prayers, but there's areas where you're to pray, and then there's areas you are to deal with stuff. And we're going to talk about that. And some of them, if you don't do anything with those areas, nothing will happen. Okay, that, but don't leave yet. Just let me read the Bible, and then you prove it for yourself, okay? Some people are like, this is going to be good, because I'll tell you what, I don't agree with this dude already. But there are physical storms that come, and there are natural storms that come. We need to know that. Uh, storms come, and I'm not going to go into all the details because we're kind of introducing this, come for various reasons in our life. Some come uh, just because we're doing the will of God. That's what happened right there with that storm. They were doing the will of God. Go cross over to the other side, and a storm comes. There were times... You know, when they went over to the madman of Gadara, or went to Gadara, and that madman met them, they were going in the will of God, and they almost sunk in a problem there, too. And you can go read through different times in the Bible. Storms can come because we're out of the will of God. Didn't that happen to Jonah? He said, you guys, we're all going to die. You might as well sh throw me over. Why didn't he say, and they even prayed. Everybody pray to your God. Remember that? And then they're like, throw all this stuff overboard. You know, that storm didn't stop when they prayed. You know what needed to happen? A person needed to adjust. Jonah had to repent to get him out of the situation. God didn't just go, okay, I'm releasing you, Jonah. Because you prayed. No, he had to become obedient. Right? He didn't have a feather in there. Somebody said a feather. You know, and tickle the stomach of the whale or the big fish and make it throw him up on shore or something. No, he said, that's it. I give up. I'll obey you. And then he got released. It came through his disobedience. But there are some times when great good things are going to happen in your life there can be spiritual forces that come against you. You can read that in the Bible. For instance, like I said, they were crossing over the ocean one time. They were about to liberate a man 
who would then go back or be told to stay in an area, and he would basically evangelize that whole community and tell them about the Lord. And they all knew he was crazy and demon-possessed, and he got set free. Well, when they were traveling over, a storm tried to kill them on their way. They were right in the middle of the will of God, and something big was about to happen. But then there are other reasons why they come. They can come, and, and let me make just this little thought. You know, sometimes people don't realize that when they make a commitment to the Lord, and they're like, you know what, I'm really going to go for it now, and I'm going to be at church, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to go for it, all of a sudden there's opposition. They're like, I thought this makes no sense. I'm committed to you now, Lord. Why is all this stuff happening? Well, just read the Bible. And you see where they made a commitment to obey God and stuff came against them. Right? Okay, we'll go with you, Lord. Storm. Wait a minute. <clears throat> We're obeying you. What about those people over there on the shore who are not obeying you, who are not with you, who are not going to the other side? It doesn't seem to be affecting them. Well, do you want to be on that shore? Or do you want to be on the other shore where the big change happens? Thank you. And um, people need to realize then also storms can come just because I have wrong desires. You with me? Troubles can come just because I have wrong desires. So I will say this. Concerning knowing our authority or reigning with the Lord... We need to recognize that the source of storms. This is a huge one because sometimes people think, well, this storm might be from God. This, this sickness, this trouble, this temptation, this evil that's coming against me might be from the Lord. As if there is no enemy out there. And if you think something bad that's coming against you is from the Lord, you will not be apt to resist it. Because you wouldn't want to resist the Lord. You know, it, the funny thing is that some people say, well, you know, this sickness might be of the Lord. Anybody ever heard that before? Well, if it's of the Lord, then shame on you for taking an aspirin or going to the doctor. Are you just trying to get out of the will of God? Are you fighting against God by going to the doctor? No, that thought that it's from God is stupid. It's unbiblical. How many times did Jesus ever meet somebody on the road and they came for healing? He said, well, this is from God. Zero. But if you think it's from God, then you might not resist. But deep down, you can't believe it's from God. You know why you can't? Because if you believe heaven has no sickness, no pain, no disease, and he said you pray that his will will be done on earth as in heaven, then you can't think like that because if it is God's will in now in earth, when you get to heaven, his will is unhindered. You'd really be sick. Well, we know it doesn't exist there. We know when the enemy is done away, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, who went about doing good 
doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. There was no sickness before he was here. So all I'm saying is this, I'm fine with you going to a doctor. I'm fine with you taking an aspirin or doing whatever. That doesn't bother me. But to think God sent it, that bothers me. So do you, we serve a good God, but you think he's sending bad stuff? How good is he when he's sending bad? Oh, this is going over real good. But how many times, go look at Jesus. Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And how many times did he come and heal somebody and then go, I think I'm going to give them like a bad knee to teach them something. He did that a half dozen times. No, never. But you get what I'm saying? You can hear religious ideas buy in if you don't know the word. And good people don't know. You with me? So let's look at a couple of verses as we move on, just to know, and we'll probably go into great detail, but we need to move forward here. We need to recognize the source of things that come in our life. James 1 says this, and, and you can turn there and let your beady eyes just fall on the page. James 1, verse 17. Notice this, every good gift... Every good gift and every perfect gift, notice this phrase, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, not the Father of darkness, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. No shadow of turning with him. In other words, you're not going to find that sometimes he's going to do bad, sometimes he's going to do good. Turn to John 10.10. 10. This will even give you more clarity of the source. Now, there are a lot of verses that we could look at, but for time's sake, we're only going to look at these two. Good comes from God. You know, if you dwell in the old covenant, you'll think, well, bad comes from God. No, technically not true. You know, I'm not bragging right now, but I got a ticket last night. And the policeman was trying to be overly nice to me, and I said, listen, you're doing your job. I mean, he was wrong. No. <laughs> I said, you're doing your job. I said, I'm, I'm good with that. He's all, really? I said, yeah, I'm fine. You want to show mercy? No. Um, <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm not bothered truthfully about it. I, I said, you need to do your job. Well, why did he get, give me a ticket? Because I was going over the speed limit enough where he said, oh. no. And, um, and I mean, I have been known to speed, but this time I thought I was in a 35, if not a 25. And bam. But so was the officer being mean? Was he giving me a ticket, or was I receiving one by my deeds? Now go read the Old Testament and say, he would say, this will not come on you. This will not happen to you if you do this. But if you refuse and you rebel, then these things will come upon you. God wasn't putting them on them. He just put laws into effect. And if you violate them, you can open up the door. Thank you. 
for your excitement there. John 10.10. It says this. The thief... Does anybody know anybody on the Scottsdale Police Department? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) John 10.10. The thief does not come except... So he does come. But when he comes, he doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And those are not necessarily, if you read them, overt statements like they're written there. Like when he talks about kill there, it literally means to be offered up in a sacrifice because the enemy can't just steal and can't just kill and can't just destroy. He needs cooperation. So when it talks about kill, it means to offer up as a sacrifice. How many times have people been tempted to do wrong and they just went full blast at it and then they offered up and killed their dreams because they cooperated with the wrong thing? That's how he does things. And so here when he said, the thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now notice because we're talking about the source. And he said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, you need to identify the source of different things that come against you in life. If it's not about the abundant life, and if it's about killing, stealing, and destroying, you need to recognize the source. Now, obviously, the more you read scriptures, the more you can define what that looks like. Because some people say, well, you know, this just means I can be free to live any way I want to. That's life, an abundant life. No, that's selfishness, and that comes from the devil. You with me? That's not of God. And so we're going to talk about an area of resisting this morning just for a few minutes, but it's kind of fundamental if we're going to learn how to use our authority, certain areas that you have to deal with uh, to really walk in this authority. So turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look here about authority. What does authority look like? What are some of the areas or where are these areas that are, you know, you supposed to start using your authority? Because see, some people think when you teach this, it's all about going, devil, come out, devil, stop. And there is a part of that. But there's another side where that will not work for you if you don't have these down. You with me? In other words, if I keep leaving my front door and back door open and I got skunks in my neighborhood and I keep shushing them out, go out, but they keep coming back, you know why they keep coming back? I keep leaving the door open. Who's responsible for closing the door? God, God, I hate these skunks. Thank you. And if you play with skunks, you might smell like a skunk. Ephesians 4, 27, it says, now he's talking about certain things concerning anger, outbursts, stealing, and just different things like that. Right in the middle in verse 27, it says, nor give place to the devil. 
Is it God that's inspiring people to be a shoplifter? We just read that the devil, or stealing from someone else, is it God inspiring them to do that? No. We should recognize, and it's not just that men do that. Remember, it said the devil promotes stealing, killing, destroying. So don't, when people go do that stuff, they're yielding to more than just themselves. Now, that doesn't mean they need to get the devil cast out of them, but they need to oppose that. And notice this phrase here and how it reads. He said, nor give place to the devil. Then that means you don't have to give him a place. That means you have a right to resist and not give him a place in your life. And in the context, he starts talking about attitudes and different things people do that can open up. And he said, don't even let the sun go down on your wrath. People who become bitter in life and live with bitterness actually don't realize it. They're opening the door to the enemy. You can't live in a marriage and be in strife and think that's just a good old thing and it doesn't hurt anybody Listen, you, can't, you shouldn't bring kids up in that atmosphere. This is exciting, I know, because you're like, what's this got to do with the devil? Do not give a place. Who's the one who gives the place? Is the blessing and the peace of God just naturally going to happen? No. Thank you. So if I'm doing something wrong, I need to change. You know, believers should resist yielding to anger, outbursts of wrath. Where do the thoughts come to be just angry and mean all the time? Jesus said, come to me, learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus in John 8, 44 said, you are of your father, the devil, and his works you will do. He was a liar from the beginning and did not abide in the truth. And he said, of your, your resources, you bring forth. In other words, what you've got, you bring forth. Well, the enemy has that, and he'll put subtle thoughts in your head. Here's the thing. Don't watch a bunch of the junk. I'm not saying don't watch TV don't watch movies, don't do that. But there are certain things you can't just feed on that. You need to know the source. I say it like this, on movie night in heaven, is it going to be playing there? Maybe not. No, okay, no. Here, Jesus, let's play this one. You're like, oh, well, this is where the lady takes off her top. So cover your eyes, Jesus. No, cover your eyes. You with me? In other words, would it play in heaven? Well, it's only like 20 F words. Now, we work with people who talk like that. That's one thing. But to give money to feed you that? If your favorite restaurant, the person in the cook just kept picking his nose and cooking away, would you go back there? No, you would not. Then don't feed yourself that. Thank you. I just thought, try to compare it. James 3.16. So it's like, that's gross. Exactly. 
We were not made for that. Somebody said, you're just legalistic. No, it's not about legalism. We are not righteous because of our good deeds. We're in good standing with God because of Jesus. Notice this, you know, when, when you think it's you who makes you right, you'll pick on people. You'll, you'll have an attitude. You may never say anything, but you'll pick on them. Oh, I can't believe them doing that. Because you're legalistic and you don't know it. You're actually religious. We should have mercy on people. We should recognize what they're doing is not good, but that doesn't mean we beat them up over it. Okay, that is, praise the Lord. James 3.16. People don't go to hell or heaven because of all the bad or good they do. They go because of their spiritual nature that they either have or don't have from Jesus. James 3.16. This is getting better, isn't it? <clears throat> For where envy and strife or envy and self-seeking exist, Envy and self-seeking or strife, King James, I believe, says that. Confusion and every evil thing is there. Well, who gets to choose whether you're going to live in strife or self-seeking? Me. So if I want to get rid of some evil, I need to recognize I need to resist some things. I need to oppose certain practices. Somebody said, yeah, but, but it, I have a right to this. I have a right to do this. They treated me like this. No, a lot of that's just selfishness. The Bible talks about, you know, only by pride or selfishness comes contention. Well, that's the nature of the enemy. We've got a new nature, but you've got a mind you need to renew. And he said, only by that comes these things. But what it does is it can open a door. If we're willfully sinning and we know we're doing wrong, we need to resist that. Not go, I resist you. No, stand against it. When the temptation comes, go, no. Now, nobody's going to be perfect. You understand that. And there's plenty of grace. We're not talking about, you know, if you, you know, living a certain moral standard. We're talking about obeying God, responding to him out of your relationship with him, doing the things we know. I want to read this verse. Felt like it would be a good verse to read because when we talk about living right, Living right and even doing everything right in your sight does not make you right with God. Doesn't make you more loved by God. Doesn't make you more accepted by God. Notice this verse in 1 Corinthians. It's a real interesting verse. Paul, who God used to write a bunch of the New Testament, who had a dramatic conversion experience, the Lord appeared to him. He was attacking the church, and, uh, 
and he gives his life over to the Lord, but he was super religious and he followed a real legalistic set of rules that were put out there. And he thought by those rules, you're good or you're not good enough for God. But after he had given his life to the Lord, he makes this incredible statement. Because when we're talking about closing the door, here's what we're talking about in dealing with those things. We're not talking that God's going to love us more. If you're performance-based in your way you think God loves you, you're in a world of hurt. Because where is your standard? There is not one person in that's ever lived on this earth other than Jesus that was perfect. So how high do you have to get for God to love you and to accept you in your perfection? You can't. You need to separate these two the way they're separated from the Bible. You can be saved and open up a door and allow junk to get in your life by willfully disobeying, willfully just living wrong, and not resisting certain things. But God loves people that open the door to the enemy. Does he want that? No, that's why he gives us instructions. Notice this in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul's talking about, we'll read verse 3. He's being judged by people's opinion about him. He said, but with me, verse 3, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In other words, when he talks about a human court, he's talking about human opinions and literally courts where he was thrown he said, it's a very small thing to me when you talk about me and you judge me. You know, if, if some people wrote that verse, they'd say it's a very big thing when people talk about me. It really bothers me a lot. Paul's like, it doesn't bother me that people talk about me. Push pause. Let's think about that. How many people are bothered about what everybody else thinks about them? It should be a very small thing to you. If it's a big thing, then there's the danger of being driven by human opinion. What do they think about me? Well, I want to lift my hands right now during service. I really feel compelled to lift my hands. Well, what will my new friend think about this? Their opinion is too big in your life it will affect how you do things or don't do things and he said right here it's a very small thing for me that i should be judged if things are big and other people's opinions are big it will could i should say affect how you respond and do certain things because what will they think who cares? We should be thinking, what does God think? But notice, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Notice this. In fact, 
I do not even judge myself. Oh. I don't judge myself. I'm not condemning of myself. Well, this is getting good. If you're constantly beating yourself up, you're not going to live full of joy. Well, we'll just keep reading. Notice this. For I know, no, know of nothing against myself. In other words, I don't really know that there is any area that I'm doing wrong, Paul said. Now, we believe him because he wrote God used him. Well, of, course. of course. He's not lying. He, he said right here, I don't know anything against myself. I don't know that I'm doing anything wrong from a standpoint of walking with God, legalistically, whatever. I don't know of anything against myself. How many of us know a thing? Now, if it's disobedience, you've got to close that door. You've got to resist. But in all reality... He said, I know nothing against myself. Now, the reason why I read this, because one, I believe it's the right thing to read, but in the context, if you don't hear these things right, you can start thinking, I got to meet these rules. I got to meet these rules to be pleasing to God, to be accepted by God, which is not what we're talking about. We're talking about closing doors to things coming into your life. You know, if you have a boat and you don't put the plug in when you put it in, it doesn't matter how much you pray. It starts sinking. You know, you can bail all you want to. You've got to plug that. That doesn't mean your family doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God quit loving you. No, put the plug in. Notice, for I know nothing against myself. Look, this, this is awesome. Yet, I'm not justified by that or by this. In other words, I'm not declared righteous personally because I don't know that I'm even doing anything wrong. In other words, I, uh, there is no area in my life where I can tell by God that I'm doing anything wrong. And he said, you know what? That doesn't justify me. That doesn't make me righteous. But how many people think, well, now I'm righteous because I'm doing everything. Now God's going to love me. Now God's going to accept me. No, you have to break these things up and realize he didn't want you to do these things because he didn't want you to get hurt. He didn't want you opening up a door. You live in a hostile world. If you go to the moon, you know, they're starting to take space flights or money for them anyway. They're going to cost a million dollars. They've already built the center now in New Mexico, and they're going to do these space things where just we can go. Let me tell you something. If you've got the million dollars, consider giving into the kingdom of God first. But then if you want to go, I'm going to just tell you a little secret. When you get into that other atmosphere, there's something you should think about. And it's like, don't open up your suit. Somebody said, that's just stupid that you'd even tell us exactly what I'm talking about. You would think he wouldn't need to tell us, don't open up your suit.
Would we love you if you went up there and opened up your suit? Yeah. We probably wouldn't see you again but we, until we got to heaven or wherever, you know, if you're not saved. But that's that. They opened up their suit. wonder why they did that. I don't know. Seems odd that somebody would open up their suit. It just seems crazy that somebody would do that. But they went up there and they just said, watch this, I'm taking this glove off, I'm taking this helmet off. That was that. They just cracked a little hole and it was just letting that stuff in. It was affecting them. Who had control? The person. So notice he said, I'm not justified or declared righteous. Why is that? We're going to read this verse right here and we're going to close. And this was really the kickoff verse. You said you're kicking off at the end? Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Romans 5. And we'll go from this verse and start talking about our authority. But part of our authority is resisting sin in our life. Part of it's resisting being bitter. Part, part of it, I mean excuses will come to you why you have a right to be bitter, but all it will do is hurt you if you don't resist the bitterness. And if you're not kind and you're not patient with others and yourself. So we're talking about reigning even though storms come. Romans 5.17 for if by one man's offense, death or spiritual death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, that's that gift that Christ gave. Abundance of grace and the gift, notice that phrase of righteousness. It's, you don't work for righteousness. How many of you are working to be a man or working to be a woman? Today there are people doing that. Which you ain't. You are what you are. And when you receive Christ, you receive the gift of right standing. That's why Paul said, even though I'm doing everything right, I don't know of anything, you know, wrong in my life, but I am not justified or declared righteous by that. You're righteous by a gift. You meet God's standard based on the sacrifice of Jesus, not your performance. But if you choose to rebel and choose to go down the wrong road, you can open up the door to the enemy in your life. That's what we're talking about. You have authority there. Go read through the Bible. And like I said, I don't have time. There's loads of verses you know, him who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. You were made that when you received Christ. There's verse after verse like that. That he might be righteous, and the, you know, in Romans, and the righteousness of the one who believes in Jesus. He is our very righteousness. We get to stand good before God because of Jesus. So this is not about perfection, trying to live right to be loved. It's just when we know there are certain areas that he's told us, we need to resist and stand against that because it can be an open door. And this is part of our authority. And if you don't do these areas, don't think you're going to go, get Satan.
That's why he said, submit to God, or you could say God's ways in James 4, 7. Then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Ready? We're going to read this, or the rest of it. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign, R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N, reign in life or in this life through Jesus Christ. God's will is for believers to reign, to rule. Here's a contemporary English Bible. It says, death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. But that cannot compare with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with undeserved grace and has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we will live and rule like kings. See, you have a right to rule in God over certain things in your life. You have a right to rule over sin. You have a right to rule over the devil. I know that sounds crazy to some people, but you just wait and we'll go after verse after verse after verse after verse and tell you how to do it. But if you don't do this small part, seemingly small part today, you can't have, you know, you can't um, have a big hole in the bottom of your boat and go, well, that's okay. You know what I mean? If you got a hatch down there and you keep it open, the water keeps pouring in, you're like, well, I'm just praying about this. Close the door. Well, I know he keeps dealing with me about that, but I'm okay. Resist that thing, then obey, and things will change. You'll close the door. It'll be easy to get that out in time then. You with me? 